Welcome to the Potter's House Salmon Arm Podcast. We are a Bible-believing church located in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. We are proudly part of the Christian Fellowship Ministries with 3,000 churches around the world. We are a church focused on world evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Here we will share recent sermons from PHSA Church and other sermons from throughout our fellowship. I am Pastor David Bickford, and I will be your host for this podcast. I thank you for listening today, and we hope these messages are a blessing to you and bring you closer to God. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. Uh, thank you for coming back again. Um, this Today I have a message entitled, The Dangers of Distracted Fighting, Distractions, Confusion, and Corruption. And the text we'll be working off of is Mark 4, 1 through 9. Before we jump into that, you know, it's been a, a uh, an exciting couple weeks over here. We've had lots of snow since the beginning of January, and, and it's, a, it's a lot of fun, you know, to be able to get outside and get your cardio in by shoveling just tons and tons of snow. Anybody who's in this area or lives in, in a snowy environment knows what I mean. It's it's like a, the uh, the gift that keeps on giving in winter, and it's it's been it's been a lot of fun, but it's also you know kind of kind of tiring, and I'm quite sore from it. But uh, so I, I came out the outside you know this morning before recording this, and yes, it was snowing again, and so I get to look forward to quite a bit of shoveling after I'm done recording today. So it's uh it's it's another you know glorious winter day here in Salmon Arm. So that, again, the text that we're going to be working from is Mark 4, 1 through 9. So if you have that, you can you can go ahead and turn there, and we'll be jumping into that in just a second. The, the title of the message is, again, The Dangers of distractions, Distracted Fighting. And with that, I found this article called, from Wired. It's a, an opinion piece, and Wired is a tech magazine, if you're familiar with it. Uh, they do a lot of you know articles about you know, technology, computers, you know, such of that stuff. And anyway... It says, without proper guidelines, smartphones on the battlefield may kill more soldiers than they save. And so this was written by John Spencer, the chair of Urban Warfare Studies for the Modern War Institute of the United States Military Academy. It says, we almost lost the entire patrol, said the lieutenant. It was horrific. We rocked right into an enemy ambush, he continued. They easily picked off my men one by one because they were looking at their screens. Thankfully, the young lieutenant was not describing an actual firefight from Iraq or from Afghanistan. It was a recent live-action simulation that used laser tag-like equipment and a new tablet device that displays maps, live drone footage, and other critical information. But if the military doesn't recognize the threat of soldiers distracted by the buzzes and whistles of the latest technology, real lives could soon be lost. So let's jump into our text here this morning. The parable of the sower. In verse 1, it says, Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. In his teachings, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. 
Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, Who has ears? Let him hear. So it's a good piece of scripture for us to use as a jumping off point. And we're going to dig into the, the, the reason why you know I'm attaching this to you know the, the idea of this sermon being dangers of distracted fighting. But you know, as we look at this, I think we can all you know see this in our own lives. We can all see us ourselves being distracted constantly throughout the day. It's a it's a never-ending battle, oftentimes to you know go through life and trying to keep on task or on purpose and not allowing ourselves to be distracted by all the new technology and all the new you know you know bells and whistles that are in this world in first peter 5 8 it says be sober minded be watchful your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour we all know the dangers of the digital devices that digital devices can cause we have laws dealing with distracted driving. Maybe you've seen videos of people texting and walking and falling into wet cement or a mall water fountain. And the funny thing with those videos is we're watching those videos typically on a device, laughing at someone who's just distracted on their device. So it's just kind of ironic that we would sit there and laugh and judge. But at the same time, we oftentimes are just doom scrolling on our own devices. The world we live in is full of these kind of distractions. These distractions can be entertaining, but they can also lead us into calamity. And as Christians, we're called to remain vigilant and be sober-minded. Our calling, every one of us, is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the great commission that gives us purpose, or at least it should. Now, the world is full of entertainment that can distract us, but even worse than ungodly entertainment is the, realm, the reams and reams of material out there that strive to distract, confuse, and corrupt the people of God. Oftentimes, this stuff will come in slowly and seem innocent, but before you know it, you are questioning your faith in the Bible itself. These corrupting, confusing distractions are not limited to the entertainment like movies or art. You can find this in political movements, philosophy, tenets of other faiths, or offshoots from Christianity. As long as time, humans have questioned the Word of God, and it seems to and seemed to alter it into individual interests. Adam and Eve had a direct relationship with God, but were still distracted, confused, and corrupted. This is why it's so important for us as Christians to remain vigilant. We are in a spiritual battle, and we must hold the line for Christ and keep our focus on the Great Commission. This brings me to my first, first point, which is distractions, and we jump back into our article. Never mind soldiers for a second, Pedestrians glued to their handhelds have become public hazards in major cities, a distracted bullseye for cars and crosswalk, crosswalks. Since the ubiquitous explosion of cell phones in the U.S., emergency room visits for pedestrian injuries tripled between 2004 and 2010 alone. And some cities have gone as far as to making texting while crossing the street illegal. Imagine the peril one might face in a war zone. War overwhelms every sense of the body. Fighting in, in urban environments, combat as hell is the worst place to make war. Soldiers are exposed to extraordinary environmental stimuli and potential threats that research has shown makes simple acts such as walking down the street extremely stressful on the mind and the body. Every window holds a potential sniper. Every pile of trash, trash 
an improvised explosive device. Each soldier on patrol is expected to be scanning for threats, observing the world around him. And now picture a group of soldiers walking down the street where most are looking into their chest or wrist-mounted smartphones. The moral here is that distraction can cost you your life. Even more important, it can cost you your soul. Let's look at our text again. In verse 3, it says, Listen, and these are the words of Jesus, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. The birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. In this parable, we see the sower casting seed. Now, the disciples did not fully understand this parable either, and they asked him to explain. So this was Jesus' response in Mark 4. We pick this up again in verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for those outside of everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these that are the ones sown in the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And then they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And the others are the ones sown among the thorns. They, they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness and of the riches and the desire for those other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. When I read this portion of scripture, I can almost imagine Jesus rolling his eyes, you know, almost like he's imploring his disciples to wake up, pay attention, just as the, the first lieutenant from our article, it is like, come on, guys, keep your heads up, your ears open, your eyes on the prize. In the text, he draws a clear picture of the gospel being spread out like seed. We all received the same seeds of faith from the gospel. And in those of, and in those of us who are saved, it has taken root. Hopefully, it has taken root deeply, and we are producing fruit and a harvest. But wait, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's go through the parable. The first of the seed fell where? It fell along the path. We might think this is great. The path is well-traveled. Surely the seed will find a home here. Nope. As soon as the seed is laid out, it's stolen by the birds. You can look at advertising example. You might see an ad or get an email from something and think, oh, that looks good. But then immediately after you see it, you see, after seeing the ad, you you read a bad review or someone says that looks like a scam. And so poof, you delete it, you ignore it, and you never think of it again. It could be someone left a flyer or an invite for church and you never see it because someone comes right behind you and takes the flyer and throws it away. 
Maybe you see a Christian message pop up in your feed, but right away you see someone in the comments mocking it, or the next thing in your feed distracts you and steals away the conviction you felt from the word. This is a core issue for Christians today. We are meant to be sowers of the word, but all too often we are distracted by the world, and instead of sowing, we just let the world steal the seeds of faith from those around us. The next picture was a picture of the seed on rocky ground. Jesus tells us that this is like a sinner who gets saved, but has no depth. And once the persecutions of the world come, they falter and they lose the small amount of faith they have. Rather than cultivating their faith and nurturing it with, with the word, with prayer and Christian fellowship, they let the world come in and cast judgment. The next picture is the person who allows all the pressures of the world to choke out the message. The seed tries to take root, but they are so crowded with their responsibilities and troubles of the world that they do not give the word room to grow in their lives. All of these examples have a similar you know, root cause. Whether us as Christians or unbelievers, we are allowing ourselves to be distracted away from the purpose of God. And that brings me to my second point, which is confusion. 1 Corinthians 14.33 says, For God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Have you ever heard someone bring up the name of angels that are not in the Bible? How many angels are there? Michael and Gabriel are the only named angels. You also have Lucifer, Satan, or Abaddon, Apollyon. The issue here isn't angels, and I don't want to get hung up on that. But the reality that some can try and use this to confuse you and question your understanding and mix you all up, that is my point. I did a quick internet search, and I found an article that said there were 15 angels. These other angels come from non-biblical or apocryphal sources uh, of a story or statement. Something An apocryphal source is something that is doubtful authenticity, although it's widely circulated as being true. There are a number of these areas where Christians and non-Christians can get blown off course. Other world religions like Islam you know, believe in Jesus as a prophet, but not as the Son of God. Others like the Jehovah's Witnesses believe he is only a small God and not very God, all of these things are distractions that are merely meant to confuse you uh, to inaction. In Mark 13, 5 through 7, and then we'll jump to 22 to 23, it says, And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is not yet. Jesus calls us to persevere for his name and not to allow the distractions of this world to confuse or distract us from our purpose. I know this can be very hard for us as Christians and, and quite frankly, simply just as people. It, it's not easy to ignore the craziness of the world around us, but it is what we are called to do. In verse 22, it says, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard, I have told you all things beforehand. When he uses here elect, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, a Calvinist, and so I believe the elect is those who, come, who hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and they turn to Christ. And I believe that all can turn to Christ if they, if they persevere. And it's not, it's not anything that we do. It's that as the seed is laid, sometimes in your life, you might not be willing to hear the gospel of Christ, but it, you know, God can soften your heart, and over time, you can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and turn to him. So even when it looks like 
there is a power from an ungodly things. We are supposed to test these spirits, though. We're supposed to test the false prophets against the word of the Lord. The scriptures are first weapon against false prophets and false teachings. Secondly, is our discernment through the Holy Spirit. That does not mean that we ignore the word for the sake of the spirit, but rather the word of God is the rule book and the spirit confirms the word of God. This is how we are meant to protect ourselves from being confused in this fallen world. This is the story, the story that's as old as time. I kind of touched a little bit on Calvinism, and I believe these are ter- that's a tertiary uh, or a secondary yeah, theology within, the, within Christendom. And it's also something that I don't want people to get hung up on. I believe that as the message of Jesus Christ goes forth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, you can, you can hear it, and it can trigger something in you from God that is going to allow you to receive the word of God, come to Christ in faith, repent, accept him as your Lord and Savior, and be saved. That is the fundamental belief, and that is the fundamental purpose of the gospel and the reason for going out and preaching the word of God, so that others might hear the word and be saved. I don't like getting hung up on anything else outside of that, because my purpose and the goal of the church here at Salmon Arm is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people can be saved. Simple. Simple as that. In Jeremiah 14, 14, it says, And the Lord said to me, The prophets are prophesying lies in my name. I did not send them, nor did I command them to or them or speak to them. They are prophesying to you a lying vision, worthless divination, and the deceit of their own minds. In Ephesians 5, 6, it says, Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. So these two verses of scripture really highlight some of the stuff that comes in from the edges that are trying to confuse and distract you as a Christian. Or even as someone who's unsaved, they're trying to confuse and distract you so that you can't receive the word of Christ. They want to make you so confused that you, you're you stuck in a state of inaction. So whether it is in Jeremiah's time and the Old Testament Or in Ephesians, the New Testament, we have a clear direction of God to follow God's pattern. What do I mean? Simple. In the Old Testament and in Judaism, it was a religion of doing works so that you might grow to believe. But we are told in Isaiah and Jeremiah that God was going to bring in a new covenant to his people and to the world. And this new covenant was going to bring salvation and grace through belief in Jesus Christ and then, or the Messiah, and then works and fruit would follow because of a changed heart. This means that the children of Israel were called to live a life separate for God. They had rules and commandments that were clear as day, but they still failed. They fell to the distractions and confusions of their day. This led them to be corrupted countless times. The corruption of the northern kingdom was so complete that they were destroyed by the Assyrian Empire. The southern kingdom was nearly destroyed by the Babylonian Empire, but God made a way for them to be redeemed. And he also did that for us to be redeemed through Jesus Christ. This brings me to my final point, which is corruption. In 1 Timothy 6, 9, it says, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I see this with a lot of people. I see this with friends of mine, people who seem to be open to the gospel, but but really their primary goal is success and and to some extent affluence. And there's nothing wrong with, with being successful. 
I'm a very success driven person in my own life. And I, I do believe that that having ambition and having drive are good. As long as you, you keep your primary focus on that drive and ambition in honoring God and God in your life. But I have friends that, that seek, you know, all, you know, to be successful. And it's funny as they gain a little bit of success here or there, it becomes the, the focal point of everything. Then it's like, well, I'm going to go to this retreat or I'm going to go to this thing and I'm going to go do this thing. And the things they're doing are not in, in and of themselves necessarily wrong. Sometimes it's wrong. Sometimes it's a total, it's a total uh, religious experience that's going to lead, like a lead you away from Christ altogether, lead you away from the conviction of your heart. Other times it's just you think you're taking a a new position, a new role, and it's going to add tons of responsibility to your plate. That's going to take away for your ability to fulfill your purpose in God and in Christ. Right. And so it's just important for us to kind of recognize that when Israel was split into the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, Jeroboam, the king of the northern kingdom, immediately led the 10 northern tribes of Israel into idolatry. So here he is. He's going to have all this new responsibility. God even told him, you know, through the prophets that he was going to be the king of the north. And he had an option. He had a choice to make here on whether or not to worship the, the one God the God of Israel, or to do something different. And so this, this is what he chose. He set up a calf immediately and has set a path for them to be at odds with God. And all of their kings did evil in the eyes of God. And the whole nation was corrupted, because, you know, partially because of this choice by King Jeroboam. In 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, Do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Their corruption was a constant threat to the southern kingdom. The people of Judah, some of their kings and the people were led astray. The prophets of God warned both the north and the south, but they led them, let themselves be led astray from the word of God. So today, Christians are threatened by the same poles of the world. We look at art, music, movies, entertainment, and we allow them to have the same value as the word of God. We elevate the voices of those who are against God and we refuse to judge them according to the word. In fact, sometimes if I judge a movie, immediately people get you know uh, defensive because they want to protect it because they like this story. And it's fine, you know, to 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 read stories, but to elevate it to the level of of scripture or allowing it to change your ideology, that that makes that piece of work something totally different than what than what it should be in your life. And that's where it becomes something dangerous or even idolatrous in your own life. So how often do you read or watch something that's clearly against the biblical truth and you, you just let it go by? Oh, it's just a song. Oh, it's just a movie or it's a story. I mean, we all do that to some extent. You know, but you can even almost hear people saying, come on, man, don't be so tight. Drinking is fine, after all. Didn't Jesus turn water into wine? If God didn't want us to, you know, get high, why did he make weed and mushrooms? All love is love. All these kind of elements that are in our media today, these things permeate our world. But how do they stack up against the word of God? Doesn't the Bible tell us that we should write his word on our hearts? That we should remain sober-minded and, vigil and vigilantly watch for his return? to preach the gospel so that others might be saved? 
that marriage is a covenant between God and man and a woman. And marriage is something particularly interesting because we see that marriage biblically being just that. Yes, it's a man and woman, but it's it's between God, a man and a woman. There's three parts to that marriage. It's a covenant between God and your partner, your husband or your, your wife. We ignore the word of God. We ignore the Holy Spirit at our own peril and the peril of those that we care about. As we leave behind the path that God has laid out before us and follow other paths, we become more and more corrupted. We begin to separate ourselves from the presence of God, just like Adam and Eve, giving ourselves to other powers, other energies, other spirits. In time, you will walk down these darkened paths and you will find yourself totally distracted, totally confused, and corrupted. In 2 Peter 1, verses 3-4, through 4, it says, His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is the world because of sinful desire. For this is very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in conclusion, let's look at repentance, grace, and salvation. You do not have to stay in this state of confusion, of distraction, or corruption. As long as you have breath, there is hope. Christian faith is built upon this hope. It is established on the revelation of a risen Christ, the belief in an all-powerful God that cares enough for us to send his only son to die for your sins. If you will believe in him, repent of your sins, and accept him as your Lord, Savior, King, and Master, then you can be set free from the bondage of your sin. Jesus is married also to the backslider. If you have wandered away from the path and you find yourself distracted from the things of God, confused by the mysticism or the hedonistic paganism that the world is offering you, it is not too late. Turn back to the Lord. He is waiting for you. He is calling for you. If only you have the ears and the the ears to hear, and the eyes to see. And Ecclesiastes, and I close with this, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 through 14, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, for God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So, With that, if I could have every head bowed, every eye closed, obviously, if you're doing something that needs your attention, then give it your attention. But maybe if you can, you just think of this for a little bit. Are you distracted? Are you confused? Or have you allowed yourself to be corrupted? 
it is never too late to turn to God or turn to turn back to God, to turn to Jesus or to turn back to Jesus. It's a very simple thing. And if this message has impacted you or influenced you in that way, and you want to signify with it all the day, please do that. Please do that. Because even though I can't see it, God can, and he knows your heart. And if you mean that, then it's very simple. You can, you can come to Christ. You can just say this simple prayer. Dear Lord God, I know that I'm a sinner. But I know that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, and that he died for me on the cross. But that even in death, he rose from the grave to set me free from the bondage of sin. So I repent of my sin, and I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And I give you praise and glory for setting me free and saving me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's a very simple prayer. And if you said that and you meant it, and you know, I, I don't know if you meant it, but the Lord knows if you meant it, then you have been set free by the grace of Jesus Christ in salvation. And this is nothing that we do for ourselves. This is something that is only because of the grace of God for mankind and the sacrifice that he made with his son, Jesus Christ. But it says, if you have ears to hear. So I, I pray that you, you did say that prayer and that you meant it. And if you did, I pray that you'd reach out to me, let me know. Because it's, that's the whole purpose of this, is to reach as many people for the, with the message of Jesus Christ as possible. So if you're, the next step is that you find a church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ for you. If you're in Salmon Arm, I'd love for you to come and you know meet with us here in Salmon Arm. You can, you can uh, reach out to us. We have our Instagram page. It's Potter's House SA uh, you know, on, on Instagram. And then our, our email address is just Potter's House SA at iCloud.com. And so please reach out to us. And let, let me know you've prayed, or if you're in Salmon Arm, reach out, let, and, and you know, our services are 1030 on Sunday, and we're currently meeting at the the uh, boardroom for the Salmon Arm Innovation Center. But please, if, if you're not close by, find a Bible-believing church. And again, you could reach out because we have 3,500 plus churches globally, and I'm sure I could connect you with a great church, Bible-believing church. But it, the, the, the important thing is to just, you know, allow God to do a work in your life. It's not going to be overnight, but God is going to do a tremendous work in your life. If you, So start reading the Bible, you know, find that church to lock into, have fellowship with the brothers, and pray. And praying is just simply having a conversation with God. But... I want to thank you for listening to this message and thank you for following the podcast. If you can, you know, like, share uh, uh, this podcast and subscribe. It helps us with, you know, our, our analytics to know that we're getting out there and the message is getting sent to, you know, to where it's getting sent to globally. So again, I want to thank you for the time you've taken the, today to listen to this message. And I can't wait for you to come back next time. God bless. Listen to the PHSA Potter's House Salmon Arm podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Potter's House underscore Salmon Arm to keep up to date on what we are doing. Join the conversation and discover how Jesus Christ can revolutionize your life.